Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the human side of learning and talent technology. My name is Bennett Jensen. I'm back here with Tiffany Faulkner and Dave Selickson from Blue Water and another special guest today. We're joined by Blake Buse from Allen Communications. Blake is the Vice President of Business Development at AllenCom and is I'm very excited to have him join us today and uh, we're going to kind of dive into a lot of different things regarding content and strategy and learning technology and, and all things that we've really been talking about as a team, Tiffany, uh, for, for many weeks now, but now we get to have a real expert, a real, a real person out in the field delivering all this awesome solutions and, and technology and, and strategy. So really excited about hearing, hearing from Blake and, and uh, jumping in. So Blake, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks, Bennett. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're, like I said, we're excited and ready to jump right in. Uh, Tiffany, Dave, how are y'all today? How are things? Have you survived all the rain we've had in the last, uh, like what, two weeks now straight? Yeah, surviving, but maybe uh, floating on a life raft at this point. Um, just want to mow the yard. We got two foot, two foot of grass and can't mow, so. Do, yeah. do the goats swim? Can they swim? That's what I want to know. No, and they hate water, so they are not happy mm. right now. This has been their favorite time of year then. <laughs> yeah, I got I got that puppy who's uh, like five months now, and so he's he's growing really fast, but he's still you know a pretty small little puppy. With all this rain and like you said, with the grass growing, he he just comes in an absolute you know covered in mud every time we come in from the backyard now. And his whole like underside is because the grass is so tall, he's just wet all over, and I can't do anything about it. So. It's been like every every time he comes in, what six seven times a day, I gotta clean a whole trail of mess behind him in the in the the kitchen. So it's it's fun time when it won't stop raining. Ben, have you seen those little paw things? You stick your hand in like their paw into it and yes. scrubs it off. Those are great for muddy areas. Yeah, that's a I've seen those, but I don't have any. But that, that you reminded me that I have seen those before, and I might be just perfect. It's worth for a this. purchase. But as soon I, as I've they never get. Seen- as soon as they get here, we'll hit summer and it'll stop raining. It won't 110 rain degrees here. and won't rain for like three months. But I've never but seen I, that. It sounds like a golf club head, like a cleaner. Exactly <laughs> like it is a dog paw. We, 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 we have a, we've actually put a towel rack next to the back door and we don't let the dogs come in and we have them sit right outside the door and, and they give us their front paws and then we clean them off and then they stand up and then we grab their back paws one at a time and clean them off and then we let them in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Got to do what you do. I can hear my dogs in, in the background too, wanting to go outside here and all this chatter about dogs. <laughs> they, they know. Somehow they know about everything. <laughs> but yeah, so Blake, um, you're not in Texas. You're in Utah. So tell us a little bit about kind of where you are and, and kind of what your role is at, at Allen Communications as the VP of, of Business Development. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, I've been with Allencom for it'll be six years here in August uh, and we're based in Salt Lake City. I'm actually sitting here in our office downtown and um, you know, it's, it's nice in that we're centered between the mountains. It's easy to get up to the ski resort. You can see here in the background, I've got Park City Mountain Resort up on the, up on the wall, which is nice to look at. Uh, you know, you need a quick distraction of maybe where to, what run to take, but uh-huh. Yeah, Allencom um, has been a great place for the B for the last six years. I started in a sales role and have led the team for over two years now. And really, for those that don't know who Allencom is, uh, we are a 
a boutique consulting firm that's focused on learning and development. We, we have really three lines of service, which is consulting and analysis, design and development, and learning technologies. And basically it's like, I don't know where I'm going, how do I build it, and then how do I deliver it? If I were to split out those three different things there. So it's a lot of fun. It's never the same experience with any client, uh, but that what's, that's what makes the day interesting and go by fast. So I'm sure you guys can relate to that too in this ever evolving uh, world of learning and development. Absolutely, yeah. I think there's a lot of alignment in what we do as far as just uh, overall kind of methodology and approach, right? Kind of figuring out what is it you're trying to do? How do we get you there? And then how do you continue to execute that going forward, whether it's content related or system related or just overall business process and, and alignment related. So um, so Dave, I know you are back with us uh, for the, the second or third time, which, uh, you know, which I think counts as you being a regular now. So uh, we're, we're going to have to put your put your name and, and picture on the on the on the. Uh, advertisements now which is awesome but uh dave it means you, I, get you a, help. I get a stake in royalties too doesn't it isn't that what that means uh we'll we'll talk about that offline <laughs> at least a t-shirt fan club dave <laughs> we'll even let you be the president of the fan club if the you fan want club. To. the president and the only member you know what all we need is the beard we just need a little logo that has the beard that's all we need. <laughs> right like that i don't know if you remember but what was the guy the pitcher's name at san francisco Yes. Years ago, that just had that awesome beard, and his logo was literally just the beard. It was yep. greatness. Um, but but Dave, so you help lead a lot of our partnership um, um, support, and, and just everything we do is around you know managing our partner network and expanding our partnerships. What what brought Alancom to your attention, and, and and why why are they such a good fit with with Blue Water, and, and kind of how do we work as a partner together in that regard? Yeah, um, so let me take us back through history and think about a time uh, not that long ago where we actually used to meet at conferences in person, um, if you remember that that used to happen. And so we would attend these conferences, and Alancom was at many of them, and we got to know their CEO quite well. And in those conversations, we always talked about, look, we're, we're, we like to optimize learning and talent technologies, and we help support content strategy and in some ways some content development. So there's gotta be overlap, some ways for us to work together. So um, it took a while, uh, we've been friends, we've collaborated on a few small things, but we really couldn't find a place to engage from a business standpoint until recently. And one of those cool things was that it helped Blue Water create a new line of business and fill the gap for Allen Communications, which honestly is the best kind of partnership that there is. Um, and so, they will custom build an LMS solution for a client and then build content, develop content to deliver through that, as Blake shared earlier. And a lot of their customers want some kind of sort of managed tier one, level tier two support for their end users. They don't do that. And we were perfectly positioned to provide that service. So Blake and I have uh, worked very closely over the last maybe 10 months or so, I think, um, really more so than at any other time. We'd already had good relationship, but more so. And we've been able to engage a couple of clients uh, with uh, our services embedded inside their overall solution. Yeah, Ben, and I think that's the thing is there is, I think we said this, no one size fits all, at least not here at Alancom in that we try to find ways to support clients in the ways they need to. Specifically when it comes to you know, consumer facing education and things that are touching a broader public audience and 
you know, Dave helped us fill a void of helping support some of those ex, you know, external needs. And we're constantly looking of how to support our clients in new and innovative ways. And this is a part of that. So we're looking forward to, to rolling that out here very soon. And Tiffany, I know you're a big part of that too. So I won't let Dave shortcut that because I know you're going to play a big role on that team. Great. You yeah, it's, it's it's exciting. Uh, it's exciting to, to work with you guys. And like you said, it's it's you know we, we love to we, we we can't do everything. We can't solve every everything in the in the learning and talent world for our clients. So it's great to have you know people and, and, and organizations part of our network that that help fill those gaps and vice versa. Um, and so as we go into you know learning and talent technology as we do here on this podcast, there's so many different solutions out there. How do you how do you even choose one is what we talked about a lot. But then also, how do you even uh, provide the right solutions and build the right things within those platforms? And, that, and that's where a lot of, you know, what Blue Water and Aloncom do to, to really help support our clients. So speaking of that, um, Blake, I wanted to jump into kind of a, a conversation around technology. Um, learning technology, where things have been going over the last few years, and and where kind of you and and Allen Communications are, are passionate mm-hmm. about when it comes to just overall content um, and, and how that fits into kind of the the growing trend of the LXP and the learning experience platform, and how that interplays with learning management systems, and you know, like we said, there's so many different platforms and systems and technologies. How how do you like see that, and, and what do you see going forward, and, and what's you know your kind of overall thoughts and, and feelings around the learning experience platform and how that impacts day to day activities for clients within learning? Yeah, and it's interesting to see this rapid evolution of LXPs happening. I mean, you know, I look back to my first job in the corporate world, and it was you're going to go to a week long shoulder to shoulder training, and that's evolved into like, oh, we got to have more e-learning offerings and put it into our LMS. And then now you see organizations, you know, launching platforms uh, about the experience more than anything with curated content. Some of it, I think, is launched without a lot of strategy in mind, and others, I think, they don't quite know how to still center this on creating career paths and showing growth for employees rather than just having every bit of content they can possibly think of. So I think we're in a, we're in a state of content overwhelm. I don't know the right phrase for this, but a hurricane of content, anything you can think of. I mean, between the plural sites of the world that you have off the shelf, you know, from technology to, you know, soft skills, there's a million different offerings out there, but just looking at LXPs as your organization is, do you have a strategy behind it? And, you know, when I look at our client base, majority of them have LXPs. I think only a handful of them have true strategies of how to use them in the right way. How are they thinking of it from a content strategy for the people they're trying to develop, their leaders, their frontline, and then on top of that, how does that meet even more of their, their accessibility uh, strategies or their diversity and inclusion strategies? These are all components get overlapped a lot. It's not as simple as it was five years ago when it's like, okay, we have our LMS and everything's sitting in here. It's, there are a lot of moving pieces that impact the employee experience, the employee engagement, 
satisfactions now brought into all of this. Sure. L&D is more of a critical component of the overall employee experience than ever before. So yeah, I think we're at a crossroads where organizations are making decisions to bring platforms on. There needs to be more thought, more planning, more manpower even to help facilitate the success of these technologies. And uh, I, I see that they're not necessarily going to be going away anytime soon. It's about how do you maximize the impact of these investments being made? So, you know, Bennett, that's a long answer there about that, but I see there's a lot of clients that are doing things very well and some that are, are not taking advantage of what is in front of them, partially because of the lack of resources on their end too. You know, we forget that most of these L and D teams used to run lean and mean and that, you know, they don't have, the bandwidth to do all of the administrative and uh, strategic effort that a lot of these LXPs require. So I, I see that as something that is still a gap overall for a lot of organizations. Yeah, as Tiffany can probably attest, you know, we 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 stay a bit pretty busy supporting clients just on that day to day, especially after the last 12 months or so with you know all the uncertainty, the layoffs, the furloughs, I mean, they're, they're even more lean and mean than they were before, or they absorbed a lot of new responsibilities and duties yeah. to cover yeah. up for other departments. So just the, the, the need for it is, I think, even greater than it's ever been. As And then also the need for the strategy right now as we kind of come out of the the rubble, if you will, of, of the last 12 months to kind of figure out, okay, what's the future going to look like with all the different ways of, of learning all the different changes and, and how content's being delivered, uh, it's more important than ever to kind of sit back and say, okay, we really got to focus on building the strategy around this, not just the strategy of how we run this system, but the, the strategy of how is the system going to impact our overall user experience, diversity, and inclusion, all the things that you mentioned, Blake, I think that's a spot on as far as, um, you know, uh, getting technology is not um, going to solve many problems. It's it's what you do with the technology and how you implement and operate the technology. Well, one thing I think the overall you know, pandemic had highlighted too is you know, the access to devices is not the same for everyone either. You know, just because I have a laptop to access my LXP doesn't mean everyone in my organization does. So how do we make things more accessible to what thing you know where people are and, and such um i think that's a bigger challenge than people understand right now of how do we make our content our tools our resources available where people are when they need it and just having an lxp isn't going to solve that just having a digital strategy in general doesn't solve that. Uh, it, it is an ongoing evolving effort to continue to tweak, but also build out how do we, as a learning team, and I put myself in the shoes of a client, how do we streamline how we roll out content, how we deliver content and get people to consume it? You know, I think that's gonna be something that we continue to look at. You know, Flash was one thing, but that's just a small chip in the story of like, that was just about more so interactions. Now we're talking about actually, how do we access content? Sure, so I, I like to use the analogy um, when we talk about it, is having the tools doesn't necessarily build the piece of furniture. It, you need them and they're required and the LXPs are a piece of that, they're the tool, but how do we build the furniture? It's a bit more process and planning and 
and preparing to get there so that you have the, the output or the outcome that you expect to have. Same thing for the, and that's kind of what the strategy here is around some of this stuff. I feel like what I've seen or, or heard from clients is in a lot of cases, they've been forced over the last 12 months, not just from the pandemic, but, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff, diversity, inclusion, um, the, the, the pieces and really kind of driving that into the businesses is big right now. So a lot of clients have gone out and they've gotten the tools, but they haven't answered the need or the ask yet because just having the tools isn't the only piece of it. So I've seen um, content is a big thing. I've seen lots of clients going out and getting, um, putting contracts in place with content providers. And I, you know, I just was talking, I uh, had a conversation the other day and ran across a client that has just about all the content that you could possibly buy. And it's like, great. Now you've got a ton of content. And so what, and what now, and what does that mean for, for your teams? Now your employees have thousands of courses to sort through. That's, that's not as helpful as it sounds, right? Because now they've got to take the time in their busy schedules when they're, they're really, what I hear clients and end users are looking for are that almost that Google experience, or let's say that YouTube experience, right? I pick up my phone. I need to know how to do something. I YouTube it. And now I know how to do it. Or, um, I, I, I want to expand on something so I can pick up my phone and go find a TED talk that I'm looking for. Um, it's having the content. Isn't the thing that answers that in some ways the accessibility, like you were talking about, we've done a podcast over how that's a, a key component here, but also being able to sort through the information. Sometimes more information doesn't really answer any of, any of our goals to begin with. Yeah, a phrase we like to use here at Allencom is if you can't find it in two clicks or 10 seconds, you're never gonna use it. And I can relate to that because if I don't find it fast, you're right, I'm gonna go to YouTube. I want the quick answer. I don't wanna go to my uh, say my parents' uh, encyclopedia collection. They've got all the information. It's all there. It's just like you talked about with your client. They bought every bit of information they can possibly fit on that shelf. Mm-hmm. You're like, holy cow, I've got to flip through how many pages now? Uh, you know, we've got the patience of a goldfish these days. So, right. you know, it's not going to be conducive to people actually using it. So, yes, I, I think that's very relatable. And what I think we see is, the effort to create curated paths to create this content or this experience based on role or based on like is sometimes a bigger task than clients can think of too. But there are some tactics I think that are easier to, to um, I guess, accomplish. You can use these you know, digital diagnostics where you build a little multiple choice kind of algorithm that says, hey, based on your responses, here's a group of content that makes sense for you. These aren't wild technology builds, but if you're going to highlight how to get people to consume content, you need to make it feel a little easier and more personalized for them to point them in the direction of the things that make sense to them. And pre-assessments, diagnostics, a lot of things like that are ways that we've really helped drive content to be more relevant or even just kind of like, oh, this does make sense to me. This is more relevant for me and not just having... 3,000 results pop back on a, a, you know, a filter function that you just pushed. Right. I like that. So, so Blake, let me, let me take this to a, a next step or, or sort of pivot just slightly to a further place. So, so you, you, you've seen companies that do this successfully, but they're in the minority of all the companies that are out there trying to go figure this out. When they're doing these things successfully, when they are actually curating content, delivering it in the way that you described earlier, 
how does that business perform differently? Like what are some of the actual outcomes or characteristics of, of an experience of a business that's doing those things well? What do they achieve or experience that others don't? You know, it's, um, it's funny. There's some recent research that just came out from Brandon Hall and ATD as well on this. For one, I think we're still figuring out how these LXPs really drive impact on organizations. And I don't, I'm not here to condone any LXP in general. I do not sell LXPs here at Allencom as far as my product. So I'm not going to say I got my flag of the one I stand behind. I think in general, organizations that label themselves as a learning organization see this as a way to, I, I don't want to say recruit necessarily, but like people buy into the culture that they are developing their skills at a company that is investing in them and is showing them and has an L&D team that really markets themselves as a value add and not a governance or compliance model. So to your question, I think it's, there's a number of stats and I don't have the one on me, but that show that organizations that have that mindset outperform those that do not by a large amount. And we're talking outperform as far as revenue, profit, the overall organization itself. Because at the end of the day, learning and development should be about performance objectives. It's not necessarily just about compliance. It is about what are we doing to move the needle? And I do think that if your organization has that mindset, you will see results of better retention, better engagement, better promotion rates. There's a number of things that we want to work with our clients on to be very specific on the success of their, their rollouts. Now, we're talking at the LXP level, this is a full organizational type investment. So those discussions are things that I would love to be a fly on the wall and learn more about. But I, I do believe that it's not an easy wave of the wand to get to that state, to be a learning culture, to be an organization that brands themselves that way. Um, you know, Tiffany, what's your perspective as I say something? I was, I was going to, uh, I'm agreeing with you. I'm kind of grinning because I'm like, oh, well, you know, you could be on our team. This is exactly kind of where we come from. So uh, here's the thing. It's an entire organization effort, right? It cannot be only the L&D team that's trying to drive this. Your L&D team does not make you a learning organization. It has to have buy-in and support and, and even help from the business to get there. Um, so, and I think that's critical. The other thing is what you were saying about them outperforming uh, learning cultures that are outperforming and, and how that's, you know, employees are looking for that where I, I want to add, I guess maybe they, I've got so many thoughts I'm getting time twisted. Um, I think here's the thing is um, the workforce is, is shifting right now. And it's a shift that we've all talked about has been coming, uh, which is the labor gap. Um, and we've been seeing it and now organizations have to find that way to, to drive higher retention rates, just giving them training to do their job as it is today, isn't enough to continue to keep your employees engaged and, and retain and retain them. We've read some articles and we've been hearing a lot of movement and stuff as of recently. And in the last couple of quarters this year. And, you know, there are, there are some articles or some organizations that are saying, hey, we should be expecting a 40% turnover in our workforce this year. That's huge. That's not in a company. That's in our workforce, which means you have 40% of the working people right now that are going to be changing jobs. 
they're going to be looking for companies that are willing to invest in them and that are going to keep them engaged and that are going to help them with their career paths. It's not just about, I want to sit in this position for 30 years because I'm going to get a pension at the end of that 30 years and I'll be able to retire. That's not, that's not what anymore. we're working in right now. And so the trade-off for that is employees are looking for organizations that are going to help develop them. And it's not optional because where they sit today is not where they're going to want to be sitting in in three years or five years. They want to know how to get to that next step. So you kind of touched on that career pathing, taking all of this and and what you're doing and how do you translate that into some actual career pathing and some things that are going to play out for, for the individual users. It's critical to the organization's performance because if you're turning over people and you can't retain them, it's going to impact your ability to perform at your highest levels. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a trade-off. It's good for the, for the employee, but by taking care of the employee, you're inherently taking care of the organization. I mean, you see like there was a recent announcement of Levi announcing they're going to send their, you know, retail people to coding bootcamp. Yeah. It's a perfect example of like, there's just a shift of where the needs are for skills. And when you're looking at your content, Bennett, if I'm going to pull it back into like our world here, that is why it is so important and critical to talk about your content strategy, how you look at what technology your teams have access to, and more importantly, how they're going to access it, where are they going to access it? And then you can think about the design and the content and how you plug in everything else. You don't need to worry about every piece of content beforehand. It's, it's really about that access point, in my opinion, and I think a big failure for a lot of organizations. Yeah, I, I, I was, um, go, ahead, go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say, you, you said something a little bit earlier, uh, and Ben, you, you may want to go because you're going to follow up what he said. I was going to talk about something he said earlier. So if you want to go follow up, do that. Sure. Yeah, no problem. So, so Blake, you, you, I know we've talked about accessibility a couple times now, and you just mentioned it. I'd love to hear, if we can, maybe just um, like a classic case or, or a, a, a recent case, or like what, what are what are some tactical things or, or strategical things, if strategical is a word, um, that that you guys have done for some clients recently around accessibility. Like, what's what are some of the big impacts, or what are some of the big things that you've seen change very recently that have opened up opportunities to enhance accessibility, or have been big hurdles? Like, what? What are some kind of real world examples that, that maybe some other clients are experiencing right now? Sure. Accessibility is a very broad word. I mean, there are accessibility from just a quote unquote standards standpoint, which is, you know, is it WCAG, AA, single A, triple A? These are all standards that have different meanings of the type of things you need to do from a visual treatment standpoint. But then on the flip side, from accessibility of just how do we deliver content to our learners? Where are they? What devices do they have? What bandwidth? Do they have high-speed internet in their area? Are they gonna be in a retail setting? Are they in a manufacturing setting? These are all accessibility questions that have just as big of an impact and often hinder the content effectiveness because we aren't thinking about necessarily where they are in the environment that someone's gonna have. We built this great course with a cool video and a simulation. It doesn't work because guess what? They've got no bandwidth in this facility because it's an iron box or whatever it might be. These are all things I believe that for one, if we just talk about accessibility standards, there are still a lot of interpretations of that and different organizations have different levels, but it needs to be something that they define 
and they establish as part of their requirements with any partner they work with. That's going to help your development right, right away. The second is then your technical strategy of devices that you're going to be moving towards. What device strategy do we have? What you know, requirements do we have as far as the, the size of these different experiences that are gonna be loaded onto platforms? These all impact, before you even talk about what content's putting in this, the types of things that you can even fit in that box. So we haven't even talked about like what, what kind of experience, is it videos, is it, is it web-based? It doesn't matter at that point. It's still understanding of that two clicks or 10 seconds. How can they get it? How can they access it? Does it work? And does it make, you know, is it available to the most widely available you know, group of audiences possible? You know, you're trying to get as many people in your organization to have access to content, to feel like they are empowered. But it's really hard to do that if you're boxing in that they have to have a brand new, you know, ThinkPad with all the new processors on it. You might not just have that type of, of learner audience. So mm -hmm. that's a big rant for accessibility is confusing and it's not, uh, it's not black and white for a lot of organizations. There's a lot of gray in between. Yeah, you, you expanded uh, my um, th thinking of it, too, as, as my dog's making her noises now. Um, and, and just, you know, when I think of accessibility, I, I think of kind of the true, how do I even act, like get, get the ability to take the training? Like if I'm in a corporate world and I want to take training on the subway when I'm heading into work, can I do that? Is, is the content enabled to do that? But even more, like you, you mentioned, like in a retail or manufacturing capability. Do I even have a company email address where I can even log into the LMS? Do I even have a computer I can access when I'm in my retail, on the retail floor, or on the manufacturing floor? And if I do have a computer, do I even have the time or is my company going to pay me to sit in the back and take training when they would rather have me on the manufacturing line or or uh, you know, on the retail floor? So there's so many different things that we encounter too, just from a true technology perspective and business process perspective that I can't even imagine, you know, the challenges too, as you mentioned, on the content side of things too, the bandwidth and, and those things I hadn't even thought of. So that, that opened up a whole new, um, you know, can of worms on the accessibility side to, to just how important that is, but also how challenging and complex that, that ideology is. Yeah, we get caught up in like the fancy stuff. We want the fastest, coolest thing possible. Everyone's got AR, VR, you want, you know, your LXP integrated, you have all these things, but are you ready? Is your organization properly set up for that type of platform to be successful? You know, Dave hit on earlier, how do you know this is driving an impact? And are they just putting things out to put things out? That's, you know, something I think Tiffany mentioned too. We got every piece of content. And this is why it's complicated. You know, it's a tough spot to be in in, in L&D that you're trying to drive and show value. You're trying to do the right research because you, know, you don't want to get in a, a, the dreaded analysis paralysis either. Like things, it takes a long time to get things done. We're trying to continue to move the needle, but sometimes you need to step back and understand, like, do you have the right strategy in place? And there's a lot of components to those strategies. And that's where and I mentioned consultant. That's a big piece of what we do too. And I know, you know Dave and Tiffany's teams do as well is making sure the right strategies are in place so that these teams can, can go to their stakeholders and say, we did it. We helped drive retention X percent or whatever metric it might be. 
Yeah. You know, Blake, I, I, um, I, I want your thoughts on this because you, you brought something that, that sort of occurred to me here in, in the moment, um, and, and that is uh, the following. Um, the budget is often set aside from these businesses to deal with compliance training because that's the thing that they have to do. The thing that moves the needle, however, and often the people who are responsible for leveraging and using and expanding the use of what the, I, what the budget was for compliance is not within the compliance or quality group. It's often in the, the learning group. And so it's almost like what moves the needle isn't what provided the budget for the system and the technology in the first place. How are you seeing that play out? What are your thoughts about that? So you're right. I think certain L&D teams, especially in compliance, are hamstrung by budgets. This is what they're given to work with. They have it. It's a requirement. It is not seen as a culture. It's not part of their DNA. Does that make sense? We, we talked about learning culture as an organization. It's the same thing when it comes to compliance training. Does your organization see it as a check the box? And that's okay, I, I get it. I'm, I'm a former compliance officer at an investment bank. I get the view of compliance internally. However, there are a lot of organizations that do compliance training really well, which is it's a part of who they are. And it's about showing employees, hey, we're here to show you how to make the right decisions, not simply show a rule book to you. We want you to be compliant. People generally, for the most part, want to be compliant, but they struggle with how code of conduct policies can apply to their particular scenario on the job. How, like, how do I make sure I'm doing the right things on the job? And that's, Dave, you know that on the head, this is where the L&D teams are the heroes of this and that they're helping you know, groups like us understand how to develop solutions to really relate to their learners, you know, to make it realistic, more scenario-based and not just simply presentation. Now, I see some smirks here from everyone. What did I say? Uh, that was, uh, it wasn't you, like we uh, had a we had a, yeah. a, a guest appearance from <laughs> Tiffany's youngest. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> I think you missed him. This is head little popped up over her shoulder. <laughs> I was laughing Mission at her her reaction and her face. Sorry to <laughs> distract you, Blake. All good, you know. But I, I get a little on rants here, so I know we're we're right close to on time on on this. But you know. This is stuff that I think that is going to be an ongoing discussion about how to have the right strategy. But I, I think you hear me of, it, it's critical to driving the impact and the success of it. Yeah, absolutely. So so yeah, I mean, I appreciate all the, the, the conversation, Blake, and, and you having the time and, and a, you know uh, ability to join us today. It's been great to, to talk through um, just so many different things around technology, strategy, and process, um, and kind of how it all fits in, and how we we work together and, and can fit all of that in to help our clients be successful. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what both of us are trying to achieve is is uh, make sure our clients are getting the best uh, bang for their buck and in their investment in in learning technology, learning process, internal employees development, and in what they're you know doing to to move the needle, like you said. So. That's always our goal and, and our mission is, is to, to make our clients as successful as possible. Um, and and I, I know all the work that you guys are doing is, is driving that same uh, driving ship forward for, uh, for your clients too. So again, really appreciate the time um, and, and the conversation. If, if anyone has any, any of our listeners today have any questions um, around 
Blue Water and Allen Communications, feel free to, to leave us a comment or, or reach out directly. Information's in the description uh, to be able to do that. If you haven't already liked or subscribed, uh, give us a shout, give us a like. Uh, we're on YouTube and all of your favorite podcast um, channels. Uh, so check us out where you haven't already or, or, or give us a like and follow um, if, you, if you like what we're doing here. Um, and Tiffany... Why don't you give us, close us out with a fun story about anything? Um, well, I just need you all to know that guest appearance was by our next uh, uh, podcast manager. He thinks that he can tell us how to become YouTube famous. Mm -hmm. um, starting with, we have to tell them like and subscribe below. Hit the like button. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, or, yeah. They're supposed to do that in every podcast. Sorry. <laughs> So. I just, I just want to know, Tiffany, is there going to be a little conversation as soon as we stop recording today? Almost oh, definitely. <laughs> the iPad locked. So you guys got to understand. I know we're in the between um, office moves, but it's summertime, right? School let out for him. And it's like, oh, I had a sign on my door and everything like, do not come in. Like just 60 minutes is all we need. And uh, the iPad locked and he can't help himself. So. That's funny. Well, again, thanks, thanks, Blake, so much. Uh, we really appreciate it and look forward to, to being able to continue the conversation sometime in the future. Uh, but until then, enjoy the mountains. Enjoy that uh, Park Nothing City. Is, is, this, is the snow still on the mountain at all, or is, is, is spring and summer? It's about hiking season now. So yeah, it okay. snow's about to melt, and um, it's still fun to get up there. It's beautiful. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I love Colorado or Utah in the summer and winter. Uh, yep. Just being doing anything in the mountains, fishing, mountain biking, or... Or of course, skiing is, is one of my favorite things to do. So enjoy it. We're stuck here in, in hot Texas with with, uh, with just a bunch of trees and plains and the mountains. So a little jealous. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks again, and look forward to continuing our partnership together, everyone. Good luck with the boat, Blake. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be a good summer. Thanks, Blake. Bye bye.